0: listening to the Teen Wolf, Rewolf. Wolf. Hey Julia. What's up? It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. It is. We have stockings. We have stockings. And there is snow on the ground because we live in the Midwest, so. And there's
1: a very, very tiny Christmas tree. Fairy's smell. In our window. But this leads us to a very important piece of housekeeping, which is holiday cards. Christian's very excited about this, and I'm also very excited about it, but it was her brainchild, so... So I'm going to tell you about it. Yeah. So, if you haven't seen on Twitter,
0: which I hope you have, but if you haven't, you need to follow us. This fine holiday season, we are going to be sending holiday cards to who, anybody who wants one. Any part of our wolf pack who feels like they want a holiday card from us... All you have to do is DM us your email address if you want an e-card, or if you'd like a physical card, you can just DM us your mailing address. We promise we won't sign you up for anything nefarious. (laughs) Totally confidential. And then we'll send you a holiday card. Should you have a preferred wintertime holiday you would like to be wished, you can let us know. Otherwise, it's just gonna say happy holidays, but if you're Jewish and you'd like to be wished happy Hanukkah, we'd happily do that. If you want to be wished a Merry Christmas, we'll do that as well. Whatever you're feeling. Just let us know and yeah, you will be getting us getting a holiday card from us within the December realm. Yeah it's, yeah. it's nice to get mail guys. You should do it. It's lovely to get mail and we'll send them anywhere because they're flat. Like we'll send them if you live in, you know, Europe, which if we have listeners in Europe, hello, we're happy to send them there too. Um, but we just want to share a little bit of wintertime spirit with you guys because we really appreciate our wolf pack. Um, so yeah, there's more details on the Twitter. So follow us at Teen underscore ReWolf. And
1: yeah. yeah. If you do live internationally, let us know sooner rather than later. So, so we can get
0: your card to you before your wintertime holiday. Yeah, exactly. When's Hanukkah this year? No idea. Uh, we'll look it up. Um, but yeah, so housekeeping over. Actually, no. Housekeeping not over. One last thing. If you guys are enjoying the Teen Wolf ReWolf podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. Please. Please. That's our version of getting a Christmas card from you.
1: Aww. Yeah.
0: That was was real good. It makes me feel just like it's Christmas when I see them.
1: Oh, it sure does. I read them out loud to my mom. Yeah. They're great. (laughs) Yeah. Um,
0: Without further ado, welcome to the Teen Wolf Free Wolf Podcast, a podcast where two friends think really, really, really hard about Teen Wolf until it actually loops back to us being confused by it again. (laughs)
1: This was a confusing episode. There's a lot of conflicting motivations going on. I was very
0: confused. Yeah.
1: So, we did watch it in chunks, <laughs> which did not help. Um, our internet was having a problem last night. But uh, the episode that we watched was season one, episode 10, uh, which is called Co Captain. Um, it was directed by Russell Mulcahy and written by Jeff Davis and Jeff Fleming, all people names we've heard before. When are we going to get a woman? I don't know. We had one female One doctor. time. Yeah, one woman. time. Um, <laughs> name a woman, yoga mat. Name a woman.
0: Thanks, Billy
1: Eichner. Yeah, it is very male-heavy, and it doesn't really get better. But one thing that I did notice when I keep looking up the directors of this, and something that I think is worth mentioning, is that all of these people have worked on horror um, at least a little bit, but like Russell Mulcahy has directed at least one of the Resident Evil films um, and then there's whoever directed The Purge. So they they were clearly going with the theme and they had an idea in mind of how they wanted this show to be uh, shot. So, um, which I highly appreciate
0: because was I was saying before, I think often with teen media, specifically genre teen media, like the attention that is given to it is generally less so than you would see in like even network television sometimes Mm -hmm. because it is seen as like a sort of like lesser like art form which is unfortunate because like I am somebody who like Really it likes engaging with children's literature. I took a bunch of children's literature classes in college. Like, it is unfortunate when people treat that as not as artistically sound as things that are geared for adults. So, when you have all these people who are experienced for our directors coming in to direct a teen show, I think that that speaks well of the vision that the Teen Wolf creative team had for the show.
1: I would agree. Um, so, that's our note on the direction. Yeah. Of well, teen I mean, Wolf. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like we
0: often, because this is a, we are people who are very based in like, literary ideas. We're both mm-hmm. writers. We're both, like, art artists in, like, the form of storytelling. We sometimes mm-hmm. don't necessarily, like, zoom out and talk about the actual creation of the show from a f- film perspective, which we should, because...
1: It's... Because I'm an actor and I have those <laughs> thoughts, I just
0: forget to air them.
1: Yeah, it's... Mm, they put a lot of care and attention into the show, and it doesn't always pan out. It doesn't always work the way I think they want it to work, Mm-mm. which... You know, that happens, but, like, it's obvious that the people who are working, who are, who were working, because this is happening in the past, um, cared deeply Yeah. about this show. Which is, you know, it's it's nice. You don't want people working on it who are like, nah, it's just Teen Wolf.
0: Yeah, but and I do think that that's how, like, a lot of shows end up being so bad. Like, the... A- Riverdale. Yeah, that's too. Like, <laughs> I was actually gonna say, like, the ABC Family shows play so much
1: into, like, aesthetic as opposed to content. Mm-hmm. Or The 100. Like, they the hundred didn't listen to their audience and didn't have a clear a vision of where they were going and so they were like we're going to do whatever we want and it became very terrible yes um teen wolf takes a while to get terrible so yeah
0: that's which is amazing it really really truly is yeah um it i think most shows the first season is a write off season Two through four are amazing, and then season five is bad. I mean, like, you can literally project <laughs> that on every show ever made, and Teen Wolf follows the same thing, which is impressive.
1: It, it really is. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, So back to the episode,
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: which apparently we're not excited to discuss, uh, we should go through and do our 60-second recap. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I went first last time. it! So. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, let's see how I do. I really am bad at these. Actually, I I was was doing really well at first, and then something happened where I just, like...
1: Well, I mean, the problem, I think, is that they cram so much into the episodes, and there's, like... In this episode in particular, like, the bookends are kind of, like, eh, whatever, and there's a lot of, like, emotional heft in the middle of the episode, and you're just kind of like, I don't know what happened. Yes. Because the tone is so all over the place. Very Um, strange.
0: And also, we're reaching the end of the season, so, like, a lot has to happen in every episode.
1: Yeah, this all... The rest of the episodes happen continuously. Mm -hmm. Um, There's no break, pretty much. Yeah, and And this episode also continues from where we left off in the last mm -hmm. episode. So it starts at the end of the lacrosse game, and with that, you have one minute on the clock. Okay. Are you ready? Um, uh, uh, (laughs) yeah, I'm ready. (laughs) Okay, three, two, one,
0: go. So the lacrosse game is over, and Scott is looking for Styles, who doesn't show up because he was busy getting his ass handed to him at the hospital, and he is at he's in the locker room he's the last one to leave and all of a sudden a lacrosse ball rolls towards him and he follows it and Derek is in the showers ooh sexy and (laughs) well actually Scott is the one who's naked for some reason and Derek shows up with Peter and tells Scott that he's on Peter's side now because Peter killing Laura was an accident or whatever but basically Scott is like no Derek tells Scott that they're going to be stronger together and then Peter gives Scott all of his memories from the fire and being in the coma to show him that he needs to be on his side. And then flash forward to the next day, uh, Chris is like threatening Jackson in a parking lot and Jackson's like, I want to be a werewolf. And Scott and Styles show up and they save him from Chris and they're like, you don't want to be a werewolf. And he's like, but I do. And then we cut to Allison and Lydia in the woods and Allison like threatens Lydia vaguely and then like Scott comes to apologize. And then Styles is later with his dad and is like, dad, you need yes. to tell me what's happening. Are, am I over? Mm-hmm. Wow. I <laughs> I didn't get halfway through this episode, I don't know. No.
1: Think. So I think what I'm going to do is I'm just going to pick up yeah, where I left off. off. Yeah. So it we were talking a about... a lot of stuff. There's a lot that happens in this episode, and um, not all of it is important. No. But they're really... I mean, I give them credit because they're really trying to wrap up everyone's storyline. Except for Lydia, who doesn't get to do anything. Lydia has a much more successful season two. She really does. Um... Which I think is because the focus
0: of season two is on Jackson and Lydia. Mm-hmm. Kind of more specifically Jackson, but yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. Are, are, are you ready? Yeah, no, no, I'm ready. Okay, so we ended with. I ended with S- Styles. Styles and his dad. Yeah. I
0: feel like you're going to do like 15 seconds. I feel like I got far enough you're going to have like 15 seconds of plot left. Fine, no. all right? Okay. Okay, yeah.
1: Are you ready? Mm hmm. Okay. One, two, three. Okay, so just um, briefly, at the beginning of the episode, um, Allison is hiding in the garage when uh, her dad and Kate come in, and Kate leaves this little exploding arrowhead fork uh, Allison to find later in the woods. Um, and then skipping forward to Styles um, hanging out with his dad, he realizes that his dad has kind of put the pieces um, together that uh, all of the murders have something to do with the arson, but, like, specifically the hail fire. Um, Jackson, unfortunately, like, gets his dad real drunk on Jack Daniels, Oh, my God, Styles! why am I having such a hard time today? Styles gets his dad really drunk on Jack Daniels. It's because I was going to say Jack Daniels. Um, And then, wow, Um, Scott and Allison are having a conversation in his bedroom, but they're not really talking about anything because it's hard to start because they broke up and they don't know what's going on. We find out that um, Scott's mom is going on a date, but we don't know with who until, oh, ding dong, open the door. Who should it be but Peter? And then (laughs) Scott's, like, really freaked out with it. Um... Uh, Mama McCall gets it in the car with um Peter, and it's like super super creepy. No, yeah. Oh, I feel like you're gonna be 15 seconds because I talk about everything. We didn't even get to the end of the episode. Styles rear ends Peter's Peter's car. How does Peter have a car? I don't know. I don't know your ding dong thing. I was like,
0: hello, my name is Uncle Peter. <laughs> Oh gosh, yeah. Okay, so after, to wrap up the episode, which neither of us can get through, (laughs) Scott calls in a favor from Styles, who, uh, after his Jeep takes much abuse, he rear-ends Peter to save Melissa from the bite, I guess? I don't actually know if that was the plan or not. And then we see Jackson has this, like, really sexy workout scene... Um in, Are you allowed in schools at night In this district in the in, At the school by Derek yourself. shows up Yeah Derek shows up And promises that he'll take, turn him into a werewolf And then he takes him to the Hale house Threatens to kill him Scott comes in to save Jackson And then Kate shows up Shoots them all and captures
1: Derek and Scott is picked up In the woods by Deaton who Saves him And Kate reveals Derek as a werewolf to Allison. Dun, dun, dun. So much happens in this episode. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, realizing things as uh, similar to last episode. Um, yeah. The year of realizing
0: things. This is the season of realizing things. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting that you we're saying that they're trying to wrap up all these plot lines, but it almost feels like they're trying to introduce too many at the end of the season. Yeah, I would agree. Which, listen, when you're writing this, when it's the first season, again, like, the first season is not necessarily a throwaway, but the entirety of a first season of a show is often just a pilot. Mm-hmm. Like, it is one long introductory thing, and then when you kind of get to the end, you have to wrap it up, and then the next season can have, like, a, an arc.
1: Yeah. Some shows have
0: amazing first seasons. Those are not
1: <laughs> <laughs> Those are not Team Wolf. No. <laughs> um, but it's the first season we greatly enjoy. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I always feel like we have to put that caveat out there of people like, you don't actually like Teen Wolf. No. guys don't like Teen
0: Wolf. No, we, we love, love Teen Wolf, and that's why we're talking. If we didn't like Teen Wolf, we would not have this podcast or care that it gets bad or care about the bad parts about it because we love it. We're we so it invested. So yeah. Clearly. We <laughs> overinvested. <laughs>
1: yeah. uh-huh. um, but let's
0: break into this episode where kay. so much happens. We watched this episode through the theme of risk. Of which there is
1: many. Everyone is really shooting their shot in this episode. Yeah, shots shoot it. to uh to find to like figure out what they don't know. Yeah. Um and yeah. a lot. And some of them did it in ways that
0: were threatening to their relationships with people. Some of them did it in ways that were deeply threatening to their lives. Some people's lives were. Almost maybe ended. <laughs> so let's break in. What is what do you want to talk about first? Who do you think takes the biggest risk in this episode?
1: Um, well, hmm. I think Jackson probably takes the biggest risk. And I say that because he knows what the consequences are going to be. And I guess whatever stupid part of his brain is like. Yeah, I still want to be a werewolf. He's such a ding dong. He's so dumb. Um, and, like, it, it doesn't matter what Scott tells him, Jackson still wants to be a werewolf. To the point where he goes out into the middle of the woods with Derek, the man who, like, clawed into his neck, which caused him, like, gave him hallucinations and, like, claws coming out of his mouth. Like, it's, Derek is not a man that Jackson would trust but he goes after him anyway because he wants so so desperately to be a werewolf it's interesting because i think that and we get called out
0: on this sometimes when we say characters are dumb and what i think we probably mean is that flawed and jackson is smart but his intelligence his logical reasoning his kind of foresight is completely obliterated by Mm -hmm. his self-serving want to have this you know like he is somebody who could never be happy with somebody else getting a piece of the pie that he once had.
1: Yeah, and I, I think there's something that Derek says at the end of this episode, which I think is really astute and is a really good analysis of Jackson as a person um, because he is trying to murder Jackson, unclear. Um, but Jackson is like crying and saying, I'm not afraid of you, blah, blah, blah. And Derek says, I bet... There has never been a day in your whole life when you haven't been afraid of something. This was a good episode for the one-liners. <laughs> yeah, it really was. Um, Which, I love that because I think
0: I think when we did our first character analysis in the first episode, my biggest thing about like why I don't necessarily forgive Jackson for all of his bad behavior, but am engaged in why he does sort mm-hmm. of really atrocious things is that he is somebody who is deeply insecure, and Derek reads him for filth on that front. Jackson isn't afraid of his life, for his life, like Scott is. You know, he's not afraid of big picture things. He is somebody who cannot stop thinking about how other people are perceiving him. Mm -hmm. Which, let me tell you, if you're in high school, no one's thinking about you. (laughs) Because you. everybody is too busy thinking about themselves. But... Mm-hmm. That is what Jackson sees. And I mean, that's what Derek sees of Jackson. And it's also because Derek understands that on like a fundamental level, it's how he can manipulate Jackson at the end of this episode.
1: Derek is super manipulative and he knows, yeah, he knows exactly how to prey on Jackson. And he like, I don't know, actively negs Jackson. Yeah. Um, And makes him feel worse about it than he already does. Um, and something I think... Scott really tries to impress like the danger uh, to himself that has happened because he is now a werewolf. But I think Scott also understands that he has a responsibility for other people now. And he doesn't really try to impress that upon Jackson. And I don't know if it's because he's just like not thinking clearly or if he doesn't think that Jackson would respond to that argument because would Jackson care that his becoming a werewolf would impact the people around him? Like, I don't know. I don't know. Well,
0: I it's funny because he kind of actually does in the scene in the parking lot or where they come in to kind of rescue Jackson from Chris. Mm -hmm. uh, Scott says, "I will have to be like responsible for you, like I'm now responsible for everybody." And then looks at Styles, and Styles is just like, "Why are you looking at me?" But like, and I think that it's an unspoken understanding that like now as Scott is the one who is like the sort of strong the strength in their relationship he is looking out for styles mm-hmm. and that is like a gentle nod to Jackson to be like this like I if you care about someone they are now your responsibility because of this and like they're their responsibility anyway because you care about them but I mean like in a life or death sense <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but back to, to Derek because I want to talk about the risks he takes in this episode the initial risk is it's almost like out of character but also, when you th- consider the things that he has gone through in this season and, it, and everything before. Trusting Peter. Trusting Peter. Yeah. Trusting Peter and lying to Scott about why he's trusting Peter. It's interesting. So, what are, what are your thoughts on this? Because I know you love talking about Peter. <laughs> I
1: love Peter. He's such a good villain. Um, I will say, and, and again, this is part of my problem with Derek throughout a lot of this season is that so many it's tough it had little, little, little. wow can't talk um it's so hard to get a read on his character because he he'll do one thing and you're like okay that's derek that's his motivation that's why he's doing the things that he does and then he'll do something else and you're like wait just a minute what's happening um but you know ultimately i think based on the season finale when Derek kills, quote-unquote, kills Peter and becomes the alpha. I do think that that is his endgame because I don't think that he approves of the way that Peter is handling all of this. And I also do think that there's probably a part of Derek that feels some sort of guilt for not having been able to save his family in the fire, um, for having abandoned Peter. And I think we were either talking about that last episode, like, in the pod, or maybe just between the two of us, that, like, Derek abandoned Peter. He just yeah. left. Um, And so perhaps there's, like, a certain amount of guilt that he feels. But I do think that, like, Peter, Derek is manipulative and scheming, and he, I do think, wants to be the alpha. And if he can get Scott on his side and kind of, like, go along with it, I think he, his assumption is that he can use Scott to that end. I think that that's probably
0: true. I think Derek is not looking... I think Derek is for sure looking past Peter's revenge plot, but I think he is, the biggest risk he takes is in not trusting Scott enough to, like, Mm -hmm. let him in on that, because if he has Scott on his side, you know, if he, like, nudges him into the plan, how this all eventually unfolds, or how Derek sees it unfolding, like, hey, if we trust him now, we can turn on him later, Mm -hmm. which is, like, classic trope. Yeah. Um... I, it is interesting to me how, yeah, the biggest risk Derek takes is trying to be a one-man show. Well, Which, of course, he would because he's somebody who has been abandoned by everybody who has he's mm-hmm. ever trusted, either because they have been killed or because they have killed them. So, it's it's interesting. I think it's risky. I think it plays into, like, the kind of few solidified instances of his character we see in this season, but I also think it's completely
1: stupid. It's very stupid. And what I think is interesting is that Scott kind of replicates that idea to much more success in season two when he really fucks with Gerard and doesn't tell anyone that that's what he's doing and mm-hmm. kind of like lone wolfs it. But he's still being a team player in a certain sense, but he doesn't let Derek in on that. At all. So it they kind of mirror each other in that sense. A little bit. I, what I think is different about the
0: kind of Scott getting, you know, the overhand on Gerard is that it is as like an act of selflessness because it is for like a greater good. Whereas like Derek is doing this for personal gain.
1: Oh, Derek is it, a selfish Yeah, bitch. like I hate
0: talking about Into Darkness because it's the worst Star Trek movie and we have really strong feelings about it. But when I think about this, I think about... The scene where Khan gets them onto the big other starship. I don't know what it's fucking called. Not the Enterprise. (laughs) And Scotty asks him, is he helping us? And Kirk goes, no, I think we're helping him. Yeah. That's how I think it is.
1: Yeah. Derek schemes. Schemes. Mm. And Peter schemes. And everybody's just scheming. Yes. Yeah. And schemes. Schemes require risk so what is our next interest
0: what is our next element of riskiness of somebody taking a risk that we want to talk about you want to talk about Allison Urgent
1: you have a lot of feelings I do
0: yeah Allison is not a major component of this episode I mean she kind of serves to move other things along a little bit um which of
1: course she's a woman so um also uh she and Lydia both look amazing oh Yes. They look incredible. Yes. Yeah. This, yes. Yes. Um,
0: so, I know Kate leaves the arrowhead for her, and so it's kind of baited, but it is risky that she takes it. It's risky that she uses it, because she's no idea what this thing is going to do. And her dad is an arms dealer. Mm-hmm. That could be like... I, I, I mean, it's an exploding arrowhead, which is, like, those exist in any media where there's arrows, I assure you. Um, but she has no idea what this thing could actually do. For all we know, it's, like, an a, a, an actual explosive device that does more than light a tree on fire. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I think, is interesting that she takes it, she uses it. The scariest thing to me is that she uses it to threaten Lydia.
1: She's risking her friendship with Lydia in yeah. that scene.
0: She is. And... It is important that she calls Lydia out for what Lydia did, because Lydia, in a moment of deep selfishness and self-consciousness, makes out with Scott, which happens like three episodes prior, two mm-hmm. episodes, three, yeah. two,
1: whenever. Whatever full moon episode there was.
0: Yes. Yeah. Um, and Allison is somebody who wants to show Lydia that she cannot be taken advantage of that way in a friendship, which is important. You should let your friends know they can't take advantage of you. But I don't know if taking them out into the middle of the woods and shooting a weapon that you don't know what it does is, like, the correct way to do this. And I don't think you need to say I don't know. I
1: don't think it is. <laughs> no, no.
0: I'm, I mean, I'm trying to give... I mean, I've never been in a position where my dad is an arms dealer and my... Luckily, none of my friends have ever made out with any of my boyfriends. So, cool. A plus. Yeah. That means I have good friends. Um. So, yeah, Allison is... Potentially risking her life. Yes, and then the other major risk she takes is taking Scott back.
1: It's not like confirmed, confirmed, but
0: but, um, this it's, is that's what you think. That's what the conversation in his room is
1: edging towards before Melissa comes in, mm-hmm. and you know she's made the decision, and because she decides to stay when Scott asks her to stay, mm-hmm. because he has to run after his mom. Yeah. Oh, Allison Argent. Just complex. It's
0: funny because a lot of people, when we first started this, were like, "Well, what do you think of Allison?" And it's amazing to me that so many people thought she was a Mary Sue.
1: Allison, no, Allison has a really strong moral code, and I think, I mean, and I completely lost my and you think that my train of thought.
0: Allison has a really strong moral code.
1: Allison has a really strong moral code, and she sticks by her decisions. She's not someone who can like easily be pushed into like, oh, I know I said that, but Mm -hmm. I didn't really mean it. Like, she really believes in the things that she She believes believes in. To the point where she's
0: willing to cut out people who do not believe in those things. Like, that's why she threatens Lydia.
1: Yeah. Um, and there is a moment at the end of this episode where kate presumably against chris's will um shows allison derek tied up about to be tortured in his wolf form um currently being electrocuted because that's how they keep them in their wolf form they just like up it for the torture and you can see in kate's eyes that she is like so jazzed to show allison the werewolf they have in the basement Whose basement? Mm, not sure. Cause it doesn't look like the they Mac- go back there a lot though. Like I, I think the basement. Yeah. I think it's the Hale basement, to be quite honest with you. Oh yeah. Two um, Alright. I don't know why that warranted it, to be quite honest with you. But um no and and you can see very clearly that Allison is horrified. Yeah. Like she Kate is so excited and Allison is just like rocked. And rapport. later we do see Allison
0: does adhere, like she does sway to, to Kate's side for a little bit, but she can't stay there, you know? It is mm-hmm. deeply uncomfortable for her to be sitting on the side of evil, which when she commits, you know, to, when she shoots Scott with the bow and arrow, when she decides to take up the family business or whatever, mm-hmm. she's doing it because she thinks it's right, and the second she realizes it's not, she- She backs off. She backs off. Yeah. yeah. I think she's I think she her moral code isn't even necessarily like what I think makes her so interesting or complex it's how she commits and uncommits to things or Mm -hmm. commits to things and then also decides what she doesn't want to commit to like she's loyal
1: she actively she actively reacts to new information Mm -hmm. um important yeah no one should be stuck in their ways yeah, and I mean, I think that's kind of what, like, a Mary Sue has no character development, and I think that Allison has that in spades. Yeah. Um, yeah. She's very important. I, lo- I love Allison. Like, there's not enough there's not enough women on this show, and I think that she holds her own, and... She does, yeah. 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 And I think Crystal Reed is pretty good. Like, I think she had
0: a clear idea for Allison. Michigan royalty. Michigan royalty. She's from Roseville? Yeah. Yeah three one three. Actually, is Roseville a three one three? I don't know. I'm a two four eight. So oh, I have a three one three. So, um, yeah. No, I just I think I think that she's somebody who I who I'm interested in and like what risks she's willing to take and what she's not. Also, would we say she's when she kind of comes in to obey Kate's wishes eventually? Was that say? Would we say that's a risk she's not willing to take to
1: disobey Kate? I think Kate probably scares her. I think she's terrified. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a lot of like women being terrified in this episode. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, so that brings us to another risk. Yes. Melissa McCall
0: goes on a date
1: with a stranger. A complete stranger. Who is okay. Peter?
0: Who is? But peer? even if it wasn't Peter, <laughs> I would have been like, drop your pin. I want your location. Whatever. Like. Yeah.
1: Um. First of all, I have. No, I'm going to say that for my questions. Um, well, there's a really sweet moment where Scott and Allison tell Melissa that she looks really beautiful. Mm-hmm. And she's, like, so excited to go on this date. And in the car, you can just see how, like, viscerally uncomfortable she is as they, like, keep driving. And she thinks that they missed the turn for the restaurant. And he parks in the, on a dark side street. But... I don't think it's really a side street because when Styles runs into her, there's like a line of cars behind him. No, I just him. think it's he's dark like, outside and yeah. on a street and he pulls over. Yeah, and like she drops her phone because she's so flustered and it's not because she like thinks he's cute. It's because she's terrified. Because she, the scariest part
0: is when she says, I think you missed the turn. Mm-hmm. Because if you're in that position, if you're a woman, you're like, I'm being kidnapped. Yep. That is the automatic... It's the point where like, I have seen this episode many times. I... No, she's okay. I know what happens and I still like my muscles tense for like because oh gosh, I can't handle it. And you know I, we were talking about eighth grade the other day. Yeah but we're in a movie.
1: should have won best picture. should have won
0: best picture. I truly have never felt so un- uncomfortable <laughs> but also seen while watching a movie. Yeah, but there's a scene where she Elsie uh, Fisher's character, I don't remember her character's name.
1: I don't remember either, is but...
0: in the back of a car with a boy who's older than her. And the, in instantaneously, the power dynamic makes you want to mm-hmm. scream and turn the TV off, and that's how I felt watching. And also nothing bad happens to. Elsa yeah. People, but like but so. you
1: know that it's traumatic for her, despite yes. the fact that like, quote unquote nothing happens. Yes. like it's nothing traumatic. has to happen
0: for it to be new. Really yeah traumatic. exactly. Listen, Yeah, Um,
1: But Melissa is, like, so uncomfortable. And that's so sad because she talks to Scott about how it's been, like, the first time in a long time that she's gone on a date with someone. She put herself out there. Yeah, which is scary. Which is so scary. That is
0: a huge risk to take. Yeah. You have to say yes, a huge risk to open yourself up to somebody, even being in a position somebody to ask you on a date. Like,
1: yeah. It's really risky. And she... Does not reap any reward from no. having taken that risk.
0: And it's so funny because she is, ends up so angry with Styles,
1: and at, she has no idea that he saved her life. No, I actually, no she does, but she she like does yeah.
0: But I think there's something about Styles interrupting that moment that makes it clear that this was all a waste.
1: Yeah, which
0: is sad it because is really I sad. think she's very lonely.
1: I think so, too, and I think that she becomes less lonely when she gets to, like, actually be a part of the wolf pack. Yeah. Um, And, God bless, because Melissa Ponzi was such a a treasured addition. Can I also say, Um,
0: very important to me, that the sheriff and uh, Melissa never got together.
1: I really wanted them to. No. I know. It's like they never introduced vampires on this show, but I always thought that it was super logical that they would get together. Thank God they never introduced vampires on this show. Oh, <laughs> I don't know goodness. what I would have done. I would have quit watching. And the <Anything> is like
0: we <laughs> here at the Team Wolf Rewolf love vampires. We sure <laughs> do. But <laughs> that would have been that that is jumping the shark in a way that I would not have been prepared for.
1: Yeah. Um I think the final risk. No, the, we have a couple more. In the oh, okay. Well, before we go. I know we have to talk
0: about the, the final risk. Um, because the final risk. <laughs> the final risk. No, we have something that we really want to dig into because it is oh uh, so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of want to talk about was, well, there's a couple. Mm-hmm. Um, First, let's talk about what Chris is risking in accosting Jackson in this parking lot. Which, in the scene, he definitely has the upper hand power dynamic wise. Mm-hmm. But he's acting on a theory that has little to no proof, and we've already talked about why, like, the reasons why we think that they should know better that Jackson isn't the other beta. It's unrealistic. It's unrealistic. He still has the scars. He is not showing anybody any, like, extreme abilities, you know, whatever, or aggression. Like, there is so much to tell them it's not Jackson, and he's going on, like, a
1: hunch. Mm Mm-hmm. To the point where he puts something in Jackson's car to disable it so he can, like, get close to him. Yeah. Um. Creepy. Terrifying. Yeah. Do you know what I think it is, though? I think that Chris desperately wants Jackson to be, be- to be the beta because he doesn't want it to be Scott. I think you're right. Because he knows that Allison loves Scott, and he doesn't want to have to be the one to break that news to her, and he doesn't want to have to hunt scott like
0: i also think after the conversation that they mm have in the previous episode where scott's like everything i do i do to protect her that would really i upset his worldview if it was scott
1: yeah it really would and i because we talk about how chris is so smart and he's a ravenclaw um i don't think that I think if he, like, really dug inside himself and, like, his werewolf hunting brain and everything that he knows, I think that the trail leads to Scott. But I think, one, possibly he wants to lead Kate off of that track and wants to indulge her theory that it's Jackson because he doesn't want Kate going after Scott. And, Interesting. Because and, I don't necessarily
0: know if he would be doing that
1: consciously. He could be doing it subconsciously. Um, okay. Because, well, it's that whole problem of, like, Chris doesn't really trust Kate but he doesn't call her on her bullshit, either. No. So, and then Kate is doing so much in this episode to directly defy his wishes. Yeah. Regarding Allison. Yeah. <sighs> Chris Argent. What a
0: man, What a Stop. I mean, like, when Chris Argent can just be, like, sexy dad number five in the show. Actually, sexy dad number two, because <laughs> sexy dad number one goes to Lyndon Ashby. Oh, my God. Always. Um, yes. Uh he is when we can finally be on his side and when he is somebody who is like quote unquote reformed and like still dealing with his past prejudices but working so hard to work against them it's become so easy to root for him and when he's doing this and you know he's not acting to his highest intelligence and we don't even really trust Chris in the next season either I may add he does not get any kind of good until season three nope he starts to plant the seeds of somebody who you might want on your side
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, because the thing that they do in this season is they bring in Kate to be opposite him because they're the only two werewolf hunters we actually get to know. And then... Gerard. Oh, in this season. In this season. And then in season two, it's Gerard. But, like, season three and beyond, there's never really a heavy presence of another werewolf hunter to, like, be diametrically opposed to Chris. Gerard does come back. He... Well... I hate him, and I'd rather not talk about him. Oh my god, that's not <laughs> no. I know the point that you don't like him. It's that he no. Has come, but no, we don't see
0: more instances of, of werewolf hunters. Yeah, and
1: like Chris trying to be corrupted back into the. Why do I, I want to say the pack? It's not the pack. Like the code and the and the yeah. werewolf hunting, and so he he is able to distance himself and like move away from that tradition, and so. It takes him a while, but yeah. I think, but that makes sense because he's grown up in this and he is like, not the leader because his wife, I guess, is the leader, but like he's
0: in charge. I don't know.
1: Yeah, no, I know. I understand, but yeah. he does,
0: he does take a risk. It's maybe not the, the most risky thing anybody does, but mm-hmm. it is important that we acknowledge that. But then I also want to talk about the risk that Kate takes and mm-hmm. that she goes against probably Chris's wishes and tells Allison about Derek or shows Allison Derek, which we don't really have to hash this out very much because we've already mentioned it. Mm-hmm. But I think that this was her first step into attempting to indoctrinate Allison into this kind of life that she lives away from the rest of the code because, mm-hmm. like, the whole no killing young people, the whatever. Like there is like um, a sort of nuance to the actual code that is not necessarily as evil as could be. It's evil, let's be honest. But there's rules in how you execute these things, um, which Kate clearly doesn't adhere to, but wants Allison to follow her path as opposed to her father's. And I think that she takes a risk in showing her Derek. Because it clearly upsets Allison, as we said.
1: Mm -hmm. And she... We don't see her follow Allison out into the woods. We only know... We watch her from the doorway as Allison takes the arrowhead, but Kate doesn't know for sure that Allison went out and fired it. Mm-hmm. I don't think. Because we don't see her, there's nothing to indicate that she does know that. Mm-hmm. All she knows is that Allison like, picked up the arrowhead. She's mentioned that like she wants to be strong and she wants to be powerful. And Kate's like, oh damn, I can give you that. Yeah. Um, which is how you get end up in a cult, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Kate has just been dropping these breadcrumbs, and I think that there was time for her to lay a little bit more groundwork, but she just jumps the gun and takes Allison to see Derek. Yeah. Interesting. <sighs> I hate Kate. She's I the hate worst. <laughs> her. And I have thoughts about her for Q's and O's.
0: Okay. Um... Okay, so before we get to the final risk of the show, I want to talk about Styles, and his dad. In one of the most heartbreaking scenes in Teen Wolf, it is so emotionally rich and uncomfortable. It's very heavy in comparison to the rest of the episode. It is. Um, so Styles, when he gets home, his dad asks him to ask him to pour him a shot of whiskey. Um, which is clearly iced tea. Which is iced tea, because it foams. <laughs> yeah.
1: And the props department. Props department.
0: <laughs> you should have had an extra bottle of unfoamy Arizona iced tea. <laughs> uh, but they um, didn't. Yeah. Which is like how... Like, yeah, anyway. Um... Styles pours him a full glass, which, by the way, if you're drinking something and you expect it to only be like two fingers of whiskey and it's a full glass, you'd be like, "My glass is uncomfortably heavy." <laughs> you'd look right. I mean, I think part of it is that like, the sheriff drinks, drinks, and doesn't want to think about the fact that Styles knows he drinks. Yeah, um, and Styles risks something. A serious part of his relationship and his own moral philosophy. Like he mentions, he's like, "I'm going to go to hell for this," um, to get information out of his dad, and it results in a conversation that is interesting in the way that he, you can re, you can really see how smart the sheriff is. He's trying to put it all together at the end. But what's really really awful is that what Styles does to get him to be honest about one thing makes him honest about things that Styles doesn't necessarily want to hear. One of which is said, he says, I miss talking to you. And Styles kind of blows him off on that one, which makes me mad. But it is important that it's said. And the other is that I really miss your mom. Yeah. And I think that that is a risk that the sheriff could not take sober. I don't think that, I think they have a very, very strong emotional bond. They're very open with each other. But we never really hear them talk about his mom, not even until really season three. Um, about what happened to her or like their relationship and to have him say that to styles
1: is it's heartbreaking it's so hard to hear that i think when you go through that kind of grief you're very aware that you're not the only one experiencing it and then when you're a parent you don't want to burden the people around you but particularly your children with that feeling because you know that they're feeling it too. You know that it's not necessary for you to say, I miss your mom because like Styles obviously misses her too. Yeah. And he like, knows his dad he knows his, his dad misses the, you know the He love knows of his, his life. dad is lonely. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's just it's so it's really heartbreaking. And I think it's really kind of emblematic of the of relationships between men where you can have a really strong emotional bond and then communication starts to break down once you actually bring up something that's like very tangibly real mm-hmm. because you're like i'm not ready for yeah. that like n- clearly they are very close but i think that closeness has been built out of a long time of just ignoring yeah certain aspects of how they feel i also
0: well i, I think that the sheriff is a very good dad I think you have to acknowledge that there are elements of how he processed his own grief that were traumatic to Styles, and we see that in season two, when Styles is hallucinating his dad after Lydia poisons everybody with Wolfsbane, and he throws a bottle oh. at him.
1: Oh, that is the worst like it, it's yeah. so good, but it's so I mean overwhelmingly it so horrible. So good
0: yeah. in the you know
1: tragedy way where you're like I can't stop watching. That's probably one of the best episodes of Teen Wolf. I agree. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we'll get there. We'll get there. So after we
0: just you know had our little cry fest, which I could I was literally so choked up. I could do an entire episode <laughs> in that scene, and I kind of saved it for the end, so that we didn't spend the whole time talking about it because it is upsetting in the best and worst way. Let's talk about. The big risk.
1: Scott lays it all on the line for Jackson. Which is insane. Like, crazy. We mentioned earlier that this is the episode for one-liners. Yes. And there's another good one at the beginning of this episode. Uh, oh, no, when Peter is talking to Scott about, like, wolf pack German U-boats or whatever, and mm-hmm. Scott was like, well, I know the Germans lost the war. Mm-hmm. Ooh, zinger World War II history, but, um... King Wolf loves World War II. <laughs> they really, really do.
0: That's how you know it's a show, Run My Men.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, that's so real. Yep. <laughs> that's so real. Um, but, okay, so the lead-up to this is that Jackson, for whatever fucking reason, still wants to be a werewolf. And Derek picks him up at school, let's go for a ride, takes him to the Hale House, and is like, everything you want is just behind that door, like some crazy-ass Willy Wonka shit, and <laughs> Jackson goes through the door, <laughs> and Derek has that whole thing about how you've there's never been a day in your life when you haven't been scared of something, and then... Is he going to eat, Jackson? <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen there. I don't know. Yeah, it's really unclear. Um, but, like, something bad is going to happen uh-huh. to Jackson. And, you know, I mean, again, Derek is, like, really tearing into him being like, no one cares that you drive an expensive car. No one cares that you have perfect hair. Gay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there was, okay, so,
0: to be fair, there is... Oh, weird amount of <laughs> sexual tension between Derek and Jackson in this episode, and maybe several previous episodes, but it's a very like that. I ship. No, it's just like I think it's really, and I mentioned this. We both had different examples of like the, the, the nobody cares about you moments. What was yours when we were sitting there, and I brought up holes. You had something else. Oh,
1: oh no. When uh, so. Derek is doing this whole thing where he's like, no one cares that you have, you know, oh, you don't report you have perfect hair that you're captain of the lacrosse team. And, like, lights up on Scott at the top of the balcony, and he's like, co-captain of the lacrosse team. So, actually, the response to this either was, like, is either I care, like, from Star Wars when uh, Luke is like, I care. Which is the most pathetically delivered line in all of Star Wars. Yes. Sorry, Mark Hamill. You got much better after that. Um, but your response to that was... Uh, there's a scene
0: in Holes, the best Western movie <laughs> ever made. If you like cowboy movies, let me tell you, Holes is the only good one. I'm... That's maybe a lie. It's, it's for sure
1: a lie, but we can talk about that later. Yeah,
0: we'll, we'll have to. But in Holes, after Zero runs away, um... Sigourney Weaver's character name, the Warden, sure, is like, we need to delete all of his files, and Dr. Pondansky says, no one is going to come looking for Hector Zeroni, no one cares about Hector Zeroni, and Shia LaBeouf, Stanley Yelts, comes in <laughs> and is like, I do. Oh. You know? Which is the same thing that kind of happens, which is what happens. But I wish that Scott had said, I care, but instead yeah. of being
1: like, co-captains, because that is
0: just the manly way of saying...
1: Okay, but first of all, Co-Captains is hilarious. Second of all, Sigourney Weaver's move, name in that movie is Fingernails McGee. <laughs> Dude,
0: you when know, she scratches John Boyd's face, oh my god. <laughs> it's like hot and
1: scary. <laughs> I'm telling you. It's, it is the perfect children's movie. Um, yeah, but so... We're doing a holes bonus <laughs> out. So Scott like leaps off the top of the stairs to get at Derek and save him from... Whatever he was gonna do to Jackson again, super unclear. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Derek's like, you know, goddammit, it! Now I gotta fight Scott. And then someone, Kate, starts shooting. Yeah. At the house, and there is a moment when so Scott gets shot multiple times, and they the camera flashes onto Derek's face, and you can see his oh no, I actually care about this kid. Yeah. Face.
0: Yeah. And he says, Scott, go. But Scott is so willing to destroy anything he has with Derek, he's willing to die for Jackson just on the basis that he knows that it's his social responsibility. Not even that he cares about Jackson that much, which he does, but it's not, it's not like risking your life for Styles, which he would do it, Like emotionally inherent. Mm-hmm. This is something that he's doing because it is just.
1: That and way back at night school, when Scott considers Jackson as part of his pack. Mm-hmm. that's like so deeply like in him now which is not really a concept that becomes fully realized until later on when Scott like becomes an alpha um, mm-hmm. and he like genuinely does have a pack but like kind of from the beginning that's his pack
0: Yeah. of humans I think if but- Jackson had stuck around too he would have been not like second in command because that would probably be Styles, but would yeah. be the opposing strong force in the yeah,
1: pack. I agree. And so it makes total sense that Scott would do that. And, I mean, it, they're doing everything they can to lay the breadcrumbs of Scott's a true alpha. Yeah. Although, do we think that that's what they were considering? Probably not. I don't think anyone would no, right through the show thought it beyond season one. Yeah, because
0: they were like, this will be canceled. Yeah. <laughs> Which, thank God it wasn't.
1: Um, kind of unfortunate that they were thinking that way because a lot of... There's so many like loopholes in the mythology. No, some plot holes I'm happy to ignore, but sometimes I'm like, Wait Did you a think minute. about this yeah. at all?
0: Nope. No. So we've talked about all the risks that have in this show, of yeah. which there are many. Would you like to ask some questions or offer some
1: observations? I, what do we usually do first? Questions? questions? Okay, so my first question, hear me out. Okay. Why does Melissa not recognize Peter? I understand that he had burns on half of his face, but I don't think that that makes him unrecognizable, and clearly, she's been in his vicinity if he could send a text from her phone or from her computer. One, I think the
0: nurse did that. Fair. One day, we will not live next to the firehouse. I mean, it's... Comforting. Oh, I know. I mean, if air anything go, it just doesn't fucking end. Uh, If air anything goes seriously wrong, (laughs) but it does not make podcasting easy. Um, I think the nurse did that. I also think that she was. She's not. She's an ER nurse, so she's not doing anything in
1: long in long term
0: patient care. So she's not in his room or anything.
1: Okay. I just there was something about a previous episode that implied that she had been there. I don't know. Maybe I'm completely making that up, but this is what questions and observations are for. True. To be dumb. Um, Yes, for team to be dumb, (laughs) but us to be dumber. For us to also be (laughs) dumb and dumber. Um, Yeah. And then, this is a rhetorical question, but, like, how is Deaton so strong... I just, I'm just, i telling Scott, you, Scott, you like, already asked me
0: this, and I think that the second Dayton started working with werewolves, he was like, I gotta get to the gym, I need to get fit, I'm lifting, like, whatever. I also and think- he didn't
1: let himself go in the years between working for Talia Hale and now? Maybe that's why we haven't seen him in a couple of episodes. He, like, went to bulk up. No, I
0: actually just think he was still doing that. Like, And also, here's the thing. When someone's life is on the line and you're a medical professional, even if you're a veterinarian, you can un- leash strength that you can't tap into normally. That's fair. It's called an adrenaline rush. You can Google it. Quote Edward Cullen.
1: <laughs> Cold ones. Anyway. Uh, um, was, that, was that the last few questions? Yeah. Okay.
0: My only question was, was Derek trying to <laughs> kill Jackson. Okay. Yes so- or no. No, I don't even want a long explanation. Yes or no. Was that the plan?
1: But I really want to know what listeners think of that. Yeah. Because I can't figure it out. What was he going to do? Yeah, I know. And uh, once Jackson was dead, what was he going to do? What was the plan? What was the plan? Was he just going to incapacitate him long enough for Peter to get there? Like... they're, oh, Derek makes no sense you know, sometimes.
0: No. Okay, well I'm happy we're both confused on that and if you have thoughts, please submit
1: please, them to our Twitter. Please tell us. Also,
0: if you guys ever have questions, questions and observations about an episode that you know was coming up, tweet them at us because we would love to have them on the show. Yeah. So it's not just like the Christian and Julia echo chamber. That's what it is 24-7 in our apartment, so we welcome yeah. some, outside <laughs> some outside influence. Some
1: influence. And yeah. then Do you have an observation? Any? I have a couple, actually. Um, this is the first instance of the memory clawing. Yes. Um, where a werewolf will (laughs) stick his claws into the neck of someone else, usually another werewolf. Memory claws alone in the shower. I am quitting this podcast. (laughs) I'm done. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's basically the Teen Wolf version of the Vulcan mind meld, um, but way less sexy because there's blood involved, and far more painful. <laughs> yeah. um, but it, it becomes a recurrent thing, and there's no face touching. The sexiest no. part
0: about the Vulcan mind mouth is the face, there's face touching. touching. Oh yeah, yeah.
1: Um, but that comes back, mm-hmm. plays a big part in like certain plot lines in Teen Wolf, Death so. in season three. Yeah, um, and then oh. I have a costuming note. We, in the last episode, I didn't mention this because I didn't write a note down and I forgot, but, um, Jackson confronts Scott at the lockers and it is a direct parallel from the first confrontation they have at the lockers where we get the, where are you getting your juice? Um, chef's chef's kiss. kiss. (laughs) Um, but when Scott and Styles come to save Jackson in the parking lot, Scott and Jackson are wearing like inverse tops. Um, Scott is wearing like a gray, a gray Henley, um, oh, a I know how we feel about Henleys. Um, and Jackson is wearing like a black jacket with a gray shirt underneath it. And so, like, props to the costuming department. Um, because the, I think the idea is that they are foils, and then they are foils and everything. Yeah. Um, so I think that was really good, and I also thought that everyone looked really good in this episode. So. Um.
0: Oh, Lydia in the woods with her white
1: gloves. I didn't like the white gloves, but yep. I like the rest of the Love outfit, them. like her <laughs> hair. Oh. Um, I want to get into this later with more Scallus and stuff, but they are literally always showing us why Scott and Allison ultimately cannot work. At the same time as showing them why you want them to so badly. Which is why they are such an effective couple and why you care about them so much. They're star-crossed. Yeah. It's amazing.
0: Mm-hmm. That whole scene in his room where you realize that like, because of who she is and because of what he is... like it's never going to work, and then they break up, they have two big breakups in the show, and the other one is, comes in season two, or three?
1: Three. I mean, yeah. Or like the end of season two. And you
0: real and, and obviously, Allison's time on the show meets an end that is just insanely heartbreaking, and you know just how much Scott loved her, mm-hmm. but it was just never going to be, it was never going to work, and it is so, so painful that they start laying the seeds of that early on.
1: But I think that that's a real credit to the writers um, mm. for doing that for us, because it's it's much easier to go back and see, oh, I understand why it couldn't have worked between the two of them. Um, those are my observations. Good ones. Thanks. What are, do you have some? Um, OK, so
0: in the lacrosse game, or at the beginning of the episode, Danny basically forgives Scott, because Scott like kept passing him the ball in this lacrosse game. And Danny is canonically. The goalie. <laughs> so if Scott is <laughs> passing him in the ball, we have, like, a real big issue. There's nothing more embarrassing than when you're watching a sport and someone scores an own goal. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I don't think that that's what
0: happened. Self-burn. Those are rare. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was just kind of like, her? Mm-hmm. Um, so that didn't make any sense to me. And then I, I, I really didn't have any other observations. I was just like, oh. With that one. So much happened. Yeah, should we do pack stats? We sure can. Okay, so our pack stats were, um, very shirtless this episode. Very claws. Yeah, we had, like, four, I have, like, four slash five instances of people being shirtless in this episode because there is a whole scene in the locker room, Mm-hmm. um, and we see Derek strung up at
1: the end, not wearing. Christian a shirt. was literally sitting there and being like, wait, where's my phone? I know he's shirtless in this scene and we haven't even gotten there. <laughs> yeah, well, no, because I remember
0: that and I remember yeah. being like, Did she take his shirt off? But Does also he like need to be Kate sure is a
1: sexual predator,
0: so Um, so yes. There's a lot of there's a lot of Nikki. Scott, oh Scott in the towel, like, when he's getting the memory thing, he's, like, flapping around doing the mermaid <laughs> dancing from Pitch Perfect. Either put him in his underwear so he can actually convulse, or shoot him from behind so if the towel falls, it doesn't matter.
1: Is that the costuming or the direction? Whose fault was that?
0: <laughs> Por que no los dos. Por
1: no los dos. And then in. we
0: had two very good claw unfurls. Ooh, Peter yes. doing one, and then Derek getting the other, and they were just... The perfect slow claws growing as they unfurled their fingers. Amazing. I only had one eyes. That feels fake,
1: right? I think there was one in the beginning too, but they weren't. There weren't as many. No. Um. And then for ads, all I had was the Ford. Well, you know what's really interesting about this is that they have the big three on this show. They have Chrysler, GM, and Ford prominently as sponsors. So <laughs> someone from <Michigan> Detroit. <laughs> 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 so this show is Michigan royalty. Yeah, yeah, and then also, I mean, Jackson's Porsche doesn't count, but like. No uh peter's driving a ford um they mention hondas but yeah, they shit on them they do um styles drives a jeep which is made by chrysler and then um i did not know that gm makes chevy i think i did know that in like the dark recesses of my brain but yeah so the big three yes. are represented mm-hmm if you're not from Michigan, the big three are those car companies. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, and not like whatever else the big three
0: is in anywhere, yeah. any other media. No. Um yeah, that's all I have for pack stats. Who is your alpha of the week?
1: <sighs> My alpha of the week is Scott McCall. Mine
0: too! And we knew that it was only gonna be him. Yeah. Because everybody else does stuff that's like a little sketch in this. We're episode. All
1: shady. I also think that like Tyler Posey, uh, I think acting-wise, kind of struggled to find his footing on this show, and I think he does a really good job in this episode. Yeah, I think it's really hard. I think Scott is also a
0: hard person to play. Scott's a Mary Sue. Scott's a Mary Sue. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Huh. Um, I'm pretty sure there's a male version of a Mary Sue, but... We mm, can look it up. I mean, I'm not going to no, it right now, no. but...
0: Yeah, no, Scott just... Scott is is the only person in this episode whose entire focus is on doing good Mm -hmm. and he doesn't really do anything bad to achieve that unlike styles and and maybe allison
1: um like to the point where he lets his mom go off with peter because he doesn't want to like ruin her good time but he still has to find a way to get her out of that situation yeah like he restrains himself in that moment to like and let his mom have as much of a good time as possible. And also and Peter then... brings up
0: the point, what are you going to tell her? You can't beat me. And Scott still finds a way to do it because that's mm-hmm. how much he cares.
1: What an angel. We love
0: him. You know what, we Mary really Sue, are not alpha of the week.
1: Yeah. Don't, don't let it be said on the internet that we don't like Scott. We love Scott. We love
0: him. Yeah. Alrighty. I think that about wraps it up for this episode. If you like this episode, as I mentioned at the beginning, Please feel free to leave us a review or rating on iTunes. Tweet at us. We love hearing from you guys. Um, if you ever have questions or affiliations, thoughts about Teen Wolf, if you want to just fangirl out with us, totally welcome to do it on both our Twitter, which is at Teenwolf underscore ReWolf. That's also our Instagram handle. And from there, you can follow our personal Twitters and Instagram should you feel so inclined. We also have a Tumblr that I'm starting to do more on, I promise. That's just at Teen Wolf ReWolf and again if you would like a holiday card from the teen wolf radio podcast please dm us on either instagram or twitter your address or your email address if you would prefer an e-card and we'll make sure you get them with personalized note. um and do i have anything else i don't
1: think so i don't don't have anything else
0: oh i do something else we are starting to plan our bonus episodes for November. Oh, if yes. you guys have a movie you would like us to review, either a silly movie that you want us to bash or a really good movie you just want us to gush about, like, we're into both, let us know what you guys might be interested in, maybe a kind of holiday movie. There's not really a lot of, like, Thanksgiving movies. Um, whatever you're feeling. November whatever you're, movies. No, uh, doesn't necessarily have to be a November movie, but if it is a November movie, we might be more likely to consider it. But tweet those at us. Um, and other than that, I hope you guys have a wolf of a week. A woo. A woo. Bye. Bye.